beginning the fourth chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. And the first three chapters are the infancy narrative of our Lord, his birth, and then his baptism in the Jordan River by John. And immediately after the baptism, Jesus goes to what is now known as the Judean or the Transjordan wilderness uh, and to the desert to be tempted for 40 days, abstaining for food for the entire, from food for the entire time. And the desert which our Lord was being tempted is a very harsh environment. I've been through the Transjordan Valley many, many times. I've actually been just outside of Jericho where, this, where these temptations took place. I've been there pretty much every month of a calendar year. And it's this particular place here right outside of Jericho is about 1,100 feet below sea level. It's just north of the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on Earth, at least for dry land, at 1,200 feet below sea level. So it's just north of there and also near Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947. And if you've ever been to Israel or if you ever go to Israel on a, on a pilgrimage, chances are you're going to drive through the Transjordan Valley from Galilee down to Jericho, maybe see the Dead Sea, and then take a right turn up the hill to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And the tour guide probably pointed out to you or will point out to you the Mount of Temptation, uh, one of the places where these uh, temptations took place, which is right near Jericho. But I've been in this desert before many times. I, I remember the last time I was there, I got out of my rental car and I walked out into the desert. And I tell you, it, it's hot. It's hot any month of the year. It's hot. There's no fresh water around. There's no vegetation uh, to be seen within miles and miles. So this is truly a very harsh environment which our Lord is in, and the, and the devil is tempting him three times. Uh, subtly, I think, in the first two, but then very overt in the third. It's, it's interesting that this is in the same manner in which Adam and Eve are being tempted by the devil. Very subtle at first, and then it's just it's outright we have to remember that as we enter into the, the first full week of Lent, we too are wandering out into a spiritual desert, so to speak. And this spiritual desert can also be a, hot, a, a very harsh environment in many ways. And we're going to be facing temptations during the season of Lent. And some of us are going to be fa facing temptations which we haven't faced in quite a while, maybe a couple years or decades. Maybe there, there are temptations we normally have, and maybe there's temptations we've never had before, but the devil is going to tempt us. Just as the devil tempted Adam and Eve, and just as the devil tempted Jesus himself in the desert. Because the devil knows that entering into the season of Lent, entering into the spiritual desert, it's a time of many special graces. And so the devil is going to ramp up his, his attacks, so to speak, on us. We have to remember that temptation itself is not a sin. The temptation itself is not a sin. It's what we do with that temptation. And let's face it, temptation is going to occur throughout our life. We also have to remember that God is going to give us the tools to deal with temptation. He's going to give us the instruments necessary to be successful in battling temptation. But the devil has something else in mind. The, the devil wants you to think that you can handle these things on your own. The devil wants you to think that you don't need the power of God. 
You don't need the sacraments. You don't need prayer. You don't need devotions. You don't need anything special during Lent. Just treat your life as ordinary because you can handle this. You can do it on your own. But God, once again, is giving us every tool, especially through the sacraments of the church, necessary to be successful, ultimately. You know, it's not some joke that God has created by saying, okay, let me create this planet and put people who are fallible to sin and temptation, let me put them on that planet and release the devil onto them and see what happens and stand back like it's some type of theater. That's not why we were created. God desires that we be successful in entering heaven one day. It's not a joke to him. And he's constantly trying to win us back with his great love. Just think of salvation history from the very beginning, the covenants which God establishes. And we're going to be talking and hearing a lot about these, especially in the, in the Lent and especially in Holy Week, hearing about God's salvation history and how many times and how many ways he's reached out with his great, unconditional, awesome, and incredible love to win us back to himself. It's not a joke to God. It's not a joke at all. This past Wednesday at Ash Wednesday, I was talking briefly about some of these tools which God gives to us to help us in temptation. The first uh, three are the, the spiritual disciplines of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Once again, to, uh, to sum up fasting, it's, it's very important. And uh, fasting has been done for thousands of years uh, by, in, by Jews and Christians alike in order to come closer to God. And you'll be surprised if you've never fasted before and you begin to fast during this Lent, you're going to see that, that your eyes will be open to the spiritual realities in your midst. I mentioned this past Wednesday, uh, one of the authors I read in a class which, which talked about the, uh, the desert fathers, mostly men, but a couple women going out to the deserts in the, in the third and the fourth and fifth centuries of Christianity uh, to, to get away from the distractions, to get away from it all, the people, the busyness, uh, and whatever else. They go out to the desert, and one of these gentlemen was named John the Dwarf. John the Dwarf. I'm assuming he was short in stature, but I'm not going to make any judgments on him. But by his name, people probably thought he was short or shorter than average. So John the Dwarf writes this, and remember, he's writing this in the middle 300s. Middle 300s, that's the context. The first thing a military commander will do if he wants to conquer a city, the first thing he will do is to cut off the food and water supply to that city. And he says in a similar way, when we want to conquer the temptations of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, the first thing we will do is cut off the food and the water supply. Isn't that what our Lord did in the desert? To help battle temptation. So fasting is very important. Prayer is also important. I talked a little bit about this, the necessity of it on Ash Wednesday, but I want to add this. In Lent, you're going to be tempted. That's a fact. Another fact is the devil knows that, that most people, he cannot just tempt them to immediately walk away from God instantly completely and totally. Because the devil knows that the most of us are not going to do that. So what does the devil do? The devil will use distractions. 
the devil will distract us from the greatest good, which is God, with lesser goods. The devil will distract us from the greater good, the creator, with a lesser good, like a creature. It's just a piece of fruit. It's just a piece of fruit. Go ahead and eat it, Adam and Eve. It's not going to hurt you. I'm not asking you to deny God. Just eat this fruit. Subtle, isn't it? Subtle. St. Augustine writes about this, and so does St. Thomas Aquinas. He says that so many people, when they're along the path, the spiritual path, they're, they're walking towards the Creator, the greatest good, which is God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're on the path towards the Creator, the greatest good. It's easy for us to look on the side of the path to the creatures created by the Creator. We're looking at these creatures, and we get distracted. We stop. We say, oh, that's beautiful. We walk up the path. And we get so distracted by those creatures, we forget that we were on the path to the Creator. The devil's distracting us with the little things, with these lesser goods to distract us from the greater good. Prayer is going to help you to discern that. Am I being distracted from the greatest good by a lesser good? Almsgiving is also important. I mentioned a few reasons why on Ash Wednesday. But it, it helps us to remind ourselves that we're completely dependent on God. And, and in doing that, it helps us to battle the sin of pride. So if you're, if you're battling anything even related to pride, and since pride is pretty much the, the root of and the, and the father of all other sin, we're all dealing with pride in one way or another. Um, almsgiving is very helpful in battling that temptation. So the three spiritual disciplines of Lent, they're very good. But in the scripture this morning, in the gospel, we hear of another uh, way to battle temptation, a very powerful way, and that's through reciting scripture. Jesus is tempted three times by the devil. How does Jesus respond to temptation three uh, those three times? He recites scripture each of those times. He's tempted, he responds with scripture. He's tempted, he responds with scripture. He's tempted, he responds with scripture. You see the trend here? See what's happening? He's giving us a model. So when we are tempted by the devil, what do we do? We respond with scripture. And I tell you, Catholics are notorious for not knowing scripture. And uh, some people may disagree with me after, after mass about this, but I, I'd say the vast majority of Catholics cannot recite from memory, by heart, five verses of Scripture. Most Catholics cannot recite five verses of Scripture. My niece, who uh, goes to a Protestant church, uh, she's 11 years old. She can recite like 80 or 90, maybe 100 right now, from memory. From memory. And so I'm going to encourage you. Actually, I'm not going to encourage you. This is what you're going to do during Lent. <laughs> this is what you're going to do during Lent. You are going to learn one verse of scripture every week. There's seven weeks of Lent. You're going to learn, you're going to memorize one verse of scripture every week. This past week was, it's a half week. So I'm going to give you a freebie. Here's the scripture you, you're going to memorize for last week. The shortest verse in the scriptures. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's a powerful verse. Think about Jesus weeping. He weeps over sin and death. He's given his life for that. 
so that we can overcome that. But I think he's looking at humanity, especially right now, and I think he's weeping a lot. You know, when we're, when we're struggling in temptation and when we give in, he's weeping. Jesus wept. Use that scripture. The next time temptation comes, Jesus wept. And it will remind you how much he loves you. Now he's given his life for you. And he's sad, he's sorrowful when he sees us sin because it prevents us from entering into heaven with him one day. Jesus wept. That's your first one. You have six more to learn for the next six weeks of Lent. So I, I think this is important. I think it's, it's great because when we come to Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday, you're going to have memorized seven verses of sacred scripture. And some of you have never done that before. So I'm pretty excited. And you don't even have to go far to see which verses you're going to memorize. Because you know what you're going to memorize for the next three weeks? The verses which Jesus used today to battle temptation. Memorize one of those. Put it on a flash card, a three-by-five card if you have to. And memorize one of those verses every week. Incredible way to battle temptation. Another way to battle temptation is just get out of the occasion of it. In, Catholic, in, Catholic, in the Catholic faith, we call it being removed from the occasion of sin. It's very important. I have some very good friends who are recovering alcoholics, and they will never, ever step foot into a bar or to a place which serves alcohol. Why? Because they know that they do not have the willpower to say no if somebody offers them a drink. They just know it. So they, they avoid the occasion altogether. If they're driving somewhere and they know they're driving past a bar that they used to go into a lot, They'll drive around it. They'll go out of their way several blocks, maybe several miles. So they don't even pass by. They're not even tempted to stop in the parking lot of that bar. I think we have to do the same thing with our spiritual life. We have to recognize the occasions which we've sinned in the past and just avoid those occasions. No, the world is saying something else. The world says, well, it's, and, and this normally applies to sins of the flesh, but it can be applied to other sins too. And people will say, Maybe you've heard this, maybe you've even said this. It's okay to look at the menu as long as I don't order. It's okay to look at the menu as long as I'm not ordering. Has anybody here ever heard that? I hear it all the time as a priest. Let's, let's be honest, let's be honest. How many of us have been hungry and we walk into a restaurant and we're seated by the hostess or the host and we're given a menu, and they come back and they say, so what would you like to order? And you say, well, I just want to look at the menu today. I'm not going to order. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. We don't do it in restaurants. We cannot do that in our spiritual life. There's certain things that as Christians we just can't do. There are certain occasions we just can't place ourselves in. And the, one of the final things is we have to recognize that as Christians, we are the strongest, we are, we are the weakest. It's in our weakness that we are the strongest. Because when we pour ourselves out completely and totally, that's when Jesus Christ comes to be in us fully. A lot of people are asking, why do we have to go into the desert? Just one second.
So as I was mentioning, we are the strongest when we are the weakest. When we pour ourselves out completely and totally and allow the living God to be in us. Now, a lot of people ask, why do I have to enter into the harsh environment of the desert? Why can't I just stay where I'm at right now? I kind of like it. I like being in my bubble. But that's how we grow. We've seen throughout the history of the Judeo-Christian faith, with the Jews and the Christians alike, men and women go out to the desert to remove themselves from the distractions of this world. Whether it be money or possessions or people or chaos or politics or whatever it may be. In order to grow closer to God. And Jesus himself does it for 40 days. You wonder why Lent is 40 days long? This is why in the gospel today. Jesus himself is out being tempted in the desert for 40 days. And if he is our master and he is our Lord and Savior, and he is, then we too will go out into that spiritual desert. It may not be the Transjordan Desert, which is hot, even this time of year. We may not be going out into a physical desert, but we can enter into this spiritual desert. And when we do that, we remember that God is with us. God's angels are going to minister to us. God himself will minister to us, especially in the sacraments of Holy Mother Church. St. Augustine, writing in the, uh, the reading which we read for the Office of the Readings this morning, he writes that we have to keep our eyes on the victory. And he reminds us that if we are baptized Christian, and where we conform our life to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've already been victorious. Jesus triumphs over sin and death. And if I'm united with him, I have already triumphed. But for those times in which I have failed, temptations daily, and all of us here, we sin every day. All of us here sin every day. St. Augustine reminds us, and the church reminds us, we have a remedy for that. Yes, we are victorious, but God gives us the remedy necessary in the sacrament of reconciliation. It's very important for us to receive the sacrament of reconciliation at least once, maybe a couple times, several times throughout the season of Lent. Because we're going to be tempted in ways which we're normally not tempted. We're going to sin. We're going to surprise ourselves how we sin in the season of Lent. But there is that remedy for us in that sacrament. So I encourage you to try some of these ways, some of these spiritual disciplines in order to battle temptation during Lent. The prayer, the fasting, the almsgiving, but also memorizing sacred scripture and also avoiding the occasion of sin, those times, those places we know that whenever we're around that person or we go there or whatever, we do something which is sinful and unpleasing to the Lord. And finally, we remember that when, if and when, and it's more like when, when we do succumb to temptation and we do sin, we remember God's great love and mercy for us. He's not abandoned us. It's not a joke. It's not a theater for him. He gives us that remedy and the sacrament of reconciliation which once again gets us back on that path, heading back towards the creator and not the created. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.